Yeah, for doing an intro, I don't know really where to start. 2020, not not the best year that I've had. How about you guys? Um, I definitely got to know my sofa a lot better. And I even bought a new sofa in the, in, the, in, the min, in the midst of everything. But yeah, it's definitely not been the best year for me either. Uh, was that the uh, highlight purchase of 2020, James? You know what? Actually, in the most boring adulting way, it probably was. But yeah, I mean, it, it, working from home has given rise to a lot more unnecessary clothes purchases, which has which has also been an upside. Um, just like window shopping online, which eventually turns to like click shopping and actually shopping. Reed, how was 2020 for you? I guess a lot of unnecessary clothes. 2020 was awful. 2020 was like, it's like one of those things where people, it's like, it's a year to forget. It's like, I, I feel like we're all going to be like having flashbacks to this, like a bad acid trip for the rest of our tenure on this planet. And I call it tenure now after 2020. Like, <laughs> It's why, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I bought a Dyson fan, which was tight. That was like nice. a mm. New York was 95 degrees in the middle of the summer. I was working from home and I have one window air conditioning unit in my apartment. Um, <laughs> and we would make you turn it off during recording. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I pitched down my fan. Well, yeah, that's yeah. because it's, I got the special one with the little ionizer thing. And sometimes it was a little <laughs> rowdy with me, you know? <laughs> New York area ain't clean. I don't do anything to help the cause inside my apartment. So, those are the top two purchases we've got here. We've got a Dyson fan and a sofa. <laughs> no, I, mean, I bought some clothes. Like, I I sort of pivoted it from like, oh man, I've got a shopping problem to like, I am here to save small businesses. Let me let me serve my country, kind of deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I'm think be a pay pig for uh, small boutiques a patriot now. Okay. Um, <laughs> small businesses like run this country. Yeah. So they run this country. I'm no longer a spendthrift. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I just got the ATDs cords, which I've been wearing the hell out of, and those are awesome. Um, but it feels like a kind of generic answer, but um, yeah, I bought a lot. I bought too many clothes. I sold a bunch of shoes this year, a bunch of sneakers. Kanye's performance in like June, July, August uh, <laughs> kind of forced my hand on the cash out on that position. James, what did you get? Um, I bought, oh man, I bought a lot this year. I bought a Stevenson overall jacket, uh, like a black type two, which is awesome. Um, some full count jeans, um, loads of buzz ricks and stuff. Oh, lots of denim. I like it. Yeah, just just like Reed, I was just it was my it was more kind of I've literally got an issue with buying things and it was going between that and then like, well, you know, I'm not going out eating, I'm not go I'm not buying coffee every day, I'm saving loads of money from not doing that, so I don't know. But yeah, it was um it was a lot of purchases. But yeah, it's all good stuff. It's all stuff that's gonna last me. Easy to reallocate that money, huh? <laughs> yeah so you stuck with hard pants like the the buttons through this all huh yeah i did i was um i stayed true to the rivet mate yeah it didn't like i was just buying outside clothes still so like maybe i was just living through my paypal account instead of like 
real life. <laughs> I thought about buying a lot of stuff. Didn't buy much stuff. Didn't really no, buy you're anything. Good. You're like, you're a good, you're not, I don't even think you class yourself as a consumer, David. <laughs> <laughs> as of like two weeks ago, you had bought two bandanas, right? Yeah. This year, I was like, I'm not even joking. You bought two Articles bandanas. Clothing I bought this year. I bought two capital bandanas. I bought a new pair of running shoes, which was the exact same model as my old pair of running shoes. Replacements and, don't uh, count. Replacements don't count. Okay. Fair enough. So I bought two bandanas and I bought a union suit, which is great. I am so in love with this union suit. I'm going to, I'm going to start buying more union suits. The one with the butt flap. The one with the <laughs> butt flap, the like uh, long johns that go all the way up living out my, uh, call them Yosemite Sam's or, uh, Al Swearingen's, but yeah, probably Yosemite Sam is more accurate for me, but, uh, 2020, 2021, that's going to be the year of the union suit calling it now. You think? No. Welcome back to Heddle's Blowout with a slightly different episode format we've got for you at the end of 2020, the year of all years. At, uh, I'm here, David Shuck, the managing editor of Heddles, and I'm here with Reed Nelson. Oh, hello. I didn't realize we were saying <laughs> hi. <laughs> and uh, also here with uh, James Smith, our features editor, who is uh, joining us on a countdown of the top read articles of 2020 we have on Heddles this year. James, thank you for joining us. Hello. But uh, as we were talking about before, 2020 was a uh, unusual year for most people, and it was an unusual year for Heddles, including all of the articles that we published and the ones that ended up being successful. If you were to see like this list and just say, like, okay, and like December 31st, 2019, and you saw this, what would your impression of 2020 be? For some reason, people needed to make masks out of a t-shirt. That would be if if I was reading it on the first of yeah of without knowing that coronavirus would be a thing. Far and away, the number one article here that's like outstripped by about you know five x every other article on this list was how to make a DIY face DIY face mask out of a t-shirt, which I wrote uh, about ten feet away from where I'm sitting right now. And was like, oh, this seems bad. People should probably wear masks. People don't have masks. Uh, how can you do this? And I just like did it at my little coffee table here with a pair of scissors and some needle and thread. And um, people seemed to like it. It was very, very well read. You're sitting on some hallowed ground. Yeah. Well, and looking back at this article now, it was... Um, you know, it's almost quaint. You get some nostalgia of thinking about the early days of the pandemic and being like, wow, we had no idea what was going on. And this was still when people were like, you shouldn't wear masks. You have to keep masks for frontline medical workers. And there was a lot of uh, spiciness in the comments in this of saying like, you're dumb. You shouldn't wear masks. Which, um, I don't know. I feel like history has vindicated me, even though I wish it hadn't. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is true, though. That is weird that it, it's almost like a kind of 
it's only like how long ago was it? Maybe seven or eight months. March twenty fourth, March twentieth, March twentieth. I had to update it on March twenty fourth. It seems like a like a long time ago that that was the kind of because it, it was like for ages there was like oh there, there's no masks like if you need a mask there there's not enough and like you say you need to save them and then now all of a sudden like you step out of your house and there's just like one with like a dog turd on it in front of your house and you walk out on the floor. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I remember in Bushwick when like the dudes who sell video games on the street pivoted to masks. It was like yeah. the first week of April. I was like, the supply chains are back. Like, we'll be all right. These guys figured out some end around. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, there were no masks for like three weeks. And they were also saying, don't worry about it. Like, you shouldn't wear one, but go to the grocery store. I remember this mask in particular that I made for this article. I made out of this uh, Joe Dirt t-shirt that I had. Um, and it's this bright yellow thing. And I remember like the the first time I wore it out was to go to the bank that I had to go to the bank in the beginning of April to set up a bank account for cover up Colorado, the, um, mask nonprofit, um, that we started with winter session and just being Mm -hmm. like, I'm walking into a bank with like my face covered. This feels very, very strange and had to sit there for like an hour while I answered all the questions and got this thing set up while I was like constantly scooching back from the desk of the, you know, unmasked bank banker that was helping me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the uh, other banker that came over is like, "Oh, you're doing masks like the My Pillow guy," and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna disengage here as I do not <laughs> want to discuss and like create any more aer- aerosolized air here because uh, you know we have no idea what the fuck is happening." I found the t- the choice of T-shirt for the article kind of like um, it was so ironic because it's this like bright yellow T-shirt that says "Life's a Garden, Dig It." Yeah, <laughs> and it's Joe like, Dirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's my just, favorite movie. I just thought, like, <laughs> for the time, like, for what was going on, it was probably the most inappropriate T-shirt you could have used. But it worked. It worked. Yeah. They say they say it's always darkest before dawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still have that T-shirt mask, and uh, yeah, maybe it's one of those things that I'll look back on in a few years and go, ha ha ha. Uh, I don't want to think yeah. about this. <laughs> I, I remember actually people, people, some of the people's reactions to that, that people were saying that like, there was like people just coming in straight away and talking about like the virus and how it spreads and, you know, if the masks even worked and stuff like that, it was like, like it was just so uncertain. And that was like the birth of uncertain times trademark. And we got a re- ridiculous number of page views on that um that it's about 150,000 yeah. um is that was a thing that we were getting just like uh double the daily traffic from this article cuz i guess we were one of the first people to do it and we had enough like internet juice already to get people to go to that article mm-hmm. um so hopefully it it people made some t-shirt masks and maybe it helped some people in the beginning um i don't know uh, glad that we're not at a point where you have to sacrifice your Joe Dirt t-shirt anymore to to mask up. And then we're going, uh, you ready to go to number two here? This is, a, this is a U1, James. You wrote this one. Yeah, the many faces of Ralph Lauren. If it wasn't for the pandemic, James, you would have had the number one spot. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. And well, I'm sure something else life threatening and awful would have <laughs> happened and got in the way of that. But um I'm glad people enjoyed this one and I didn't actually know it had done so well. Um Polo's a pretty well, Polo specifically is a is a personal favourite of mine. Um mainly because of the fact they've just made like pretty much every garment ever. When I was writing this I was kind of looking for old polo stuff and like I just couldn't I can't think of a garment that they haven't made. Um, which I think is really good. Like, I don't, can't think of another brand that's kind of that um, diverse in kind of the, the stuff that they make and the audiences they appeal to. And to be honest, even though this is a, it's a good list, I still don't think it's completely extensive. I think so. There's, there's been so many like kind of facets of Ralph Lauren over the years some of them may be so short-lived or they've they've kind of been rebranded to the point that their original incarnation has been lost um there's probably some people out there with a lot more knowledge than than i ralph lauren makes a lot of stuff and there are a lot of different brands that are very confusing like even to i think like ralph lauren associates I don't know how to segue that into uh, Hell's <laughs> Angels, but uh, the next article was the rough history of biker cuts. People were happy about uh, this one, huh? Was an Albert article. Well, they they liked reading it, but a lot of people were unhappy about this one. And I had like a slight tinge of like, oh man, are Hell's Angels going to come kick my ass after this? But <laughs> no, of course not. Um, can, you, can you imagine though if? If there was sort of like an internet structure when the Hells Angels were at the peak of going and kicking people's ass, <laughs> like they just trolled Twitter all day and they're like, they're like, all right, let's go, guys. Yeah, they have like an alarm go off and they all go down the fireman's pole under their bikes and they talk some shit. We've got seventeen on the list today. I feel like at least one of them would be wearing iron hearts though, and you could just be like, you could just kind of like. <laughs> try and wax with them about that and <laughs> like they're there threatening you they've got like a chain and like a crowbar and stuff and you're just like oh are those the are they the overdyed ones oh you could just you yeah. could do something one that's of them would be wearing i want to get blood on those bro <laughs> yeah that's your hail mary <laughs> yeah yeah you're like yeah. i'm like i see it man are we good yeah exactly and we're going to poke the bear again in the next denim history uh, episode um with <laughs> making fun of bikers so we'll we'll see where oh, that no. goes but yeah this one was uh i, I guess it, it hit the zeitgeist correctly cuz it was enough you know uh history plus sons of anarchy silliness plus uh you know outlaw intrigue that you know you you, you see people wearing biker cuts you're like oh is that just a you know, dentist in his sixties that finally has like can drop thirty thousand dollars in a Harley, or is this mm -hmm. actually someone to be reckoned with? And the line is very blurry at the moment, but you know, hopefully that clears it up a bit if you can start to identify what those vests look like for mm -hmm. people that supposedly mean business. Yeah, the less blue the blue jean is, usually the mm -hmm. scarier the individual is a good <laughs> is a good line. Yeah. If they got like a bright blue one, like go say what up. Don't actually don't. I don't want to be responsible for that. Sounds like a mess. Yeah. Don't say what the uh, first encounter I had with uh, someone wearing one of these like biker vests was I was in a gas station. I was like 20 years old driving back from an internship I had in L.A. 
And I was uh, like in the middle of the desert. I forget it was in like Western Arizona or Eastern California. And I was going in to like go to the bathroom and I was like reaching for the handle and the like door opens up and there's this enormous like dystopian Santa Claus looking biker <laughs> that's just wearing a like biker vest, no shirt underneath. It's like 95 degrees outside. And uh, this guy just like barrels past me, grabs like a handful of Twinkies uh, from a display, gives the middle finger to the clerk and just walks out. And the clerk just like doesn't even react. He's just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and that bathroom, that bathroom was so disgusting. I had to pee really, really bad and I didn't go in. Oh. Um, and that was, that was a very, that was a learning moment for me as a, uh, as still a child, um, understanding what road culture in the United States and specifically mm -hmm. that part of the United States is all about. Yeah. You didn't realize at that point that if you're wearing, a, a denim vest you get free twinkies anywhere mm -hmm. that you that you want you can just take them and leave you can just uh flout societal politeness and oh uh, yeah that was, all things that was actually the uh barstow robin hood he was taking the twinkies and giving twinkies. them giving them to the poor i hope so i hope so i'm just assuming this was barstow mm-hmm <laughs> yeah it was around like bakersfield or barstow where you just like take the 10 like out and then like turn off onto some like dumb state highway uh, north of Joshua Tree. Um, desert people gets tough in there. Barso's the one with the big thermometer, right? I believe it is. That's that also one's on uh, fifteen. That's where Paul Walker goes and grabs Tyrese in Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, this is very true. <laughs> Your film knowledge is good. <laughs> scene to scene. It's youth it's useless, but uh it's there. He's driving the demolition derby in that one, right? Yeah, with the ankle bracelet. He has to park his trailer. Never really understood uh -huh. how that worked. I was like, he's like, I parked he's like, I parked it next to where I work. And it's like, yeah, but like how did you drive it? Like I feel mm -hmm. like those things are locational. Like you can't just be like, yeah, I'm gonna drive my home with my ankle <laughs> monitor, but Oh, they they give you a grace period. Okay. Speaking of things that are uh, in areas where they aren't supposed to be and arbitrary lines of uh, C plus uh, C plus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do a bad transition between each one of these. But Rakuten Global, can we still order outside of Japan, James? This is one for you mm. again. We can, but you, but you, on on the condition that you lose a lot of hair whilst trying to do it. I'm trying to, it's just, <laughs> it's so convoluted. Um, but yeah, this one was, it. Yeah, this one was an interesting one to do. I mean, it's cause so many, I, I'm one of those people that I, I never actually ordered. I, I had a couple of times ordered from Rakuten directly, but it was always just like a clunky, risky experience because like you can't really get the sizing advice and stuff. And if you do, it's like, you to get like you can tell that they've used like an auto translator or something before sending the response back because it will be like mm -hmm. the shoulder is about as wide as four croissants or something. It's like <laughs> and it's and it's just like oh, um, but they're just using the croissant standard system. Oh yeah, well yeah, they're not a fan of the metric one, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It, they were kind of like so when they they stopped, so they stopped it like so they stopped being able to to buy things directly but they kind of replaced it with 
a new and seemingly improved system where you can sign up and have a like an account with them um but it was all just kind of weird you had to you had to kind of like put in a temporary address in Japan that it kind of generated for you, which I didn't realize wasn't someone's house until it was just, it ended up being a warehouse. It just randomly selected one. It was like, this will be your Japanese address. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and, I was like, and then yeah, it ended up being a warehouse. But for a, for a minute, I thought it was kind of just going to set it up to some random person's house. who was just going to be my like new proxy my official Rakuten proxy, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't the case. But yeah, and then, and then it kind of just got hazy. They started asking me to scan my passport in or my driver's license. Um, like, and yeah, I, was just, I don't know. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know if I want to scan this into Rakuten. I, I probably wouldn't give it to Amazon. See it on Rakuten a couple of days later. James Smith's passport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. 12,000 yen. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's like I, I we still need to fully trial this. Um, I think we should try and really set it up and actually order something. I think we need to follow this up because I, when when I wrote this article, it was so clearly in its teething period of the new setup, and they were clearly trying to make it more accessible to global customers outside mm-hmm. of Japan. Um, but yeah, it, it, honestly, at the time. Considering the products we'd probably the product we'd probably want to order, it just didn't seem it didn't it didn't feel right <laughs> at all. Which isn't a good sign when you're buying something online. I miss the old Rakuten. Yeah, even the old Rakuten was kind of a crapshoot because you had to like put in your order and then they would send you to a separate like PayPal platform mm-hmm. and you had to put it in there and then they would send you like a plain text, like something that got Looks like it was an email that looks like they faxed it to you that said, like, here's your tracking number. You'll get your yeah. thing soon. Yeah. But you would get your thing soon. Most you of would the get time. your thing. Like, there were like a couple of places that I really trusted, like Ragtag and Kindall and like mm-hmm. a couple of these other places that, like, I remember buying stuff for like $50, like, like, or slow Cheetos and stuff. Like, $50. oh, yeah. And they'd get there in like four days, five days after I placed my order. And granted, that was when I was in San Francisco. So it was like a, like the first stop on the shipment train. But um yeah, I, I like it was the most like I remember the first time doing it being like, well, don't think it'll get here, but glad I spent 50 bucks. And then it just like showed up. <laughs> yeah. 4 days later. My favorite like if you're buying something second hand, like the translation is just you can tell that the, the kind of not even the grammar, just the words that the, you can tell there's no direct translation for like hesitation. Because it would be like, if I was buying something secondhand, it would be like, if you are a nervous person, do not <laughs> do not purchase this item. <laughs> and it, what it was really trying to say was like, oh, it's clearly used. So like, if you're expecting something new, like it does, it, do you know what I mean? It's just like, if, if yeah. you have a sensitive constitution, this garment isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. Me and, um, do, do you ever, I mean, on a slightly separate note, I mean, have you ever used Yahoo Japan auctions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're coming up on uh, Fukubakaru soon too. What is that? Those are the like uh, New Year's lucky bags. You can buy those on Yahoo Japan occasionally. This is a thing that they do. It's like a cultural tradition in Japan, like around New Year's, where they'll just like take a bunch of things from their store and like mark the size on it in oh. a like brown paper bag, 
and you'll get like twice the value of whatever you're buying. So it'll be like, you know, Capital will do one that's like all size three and it's like you pay $300 for it and you get like a ring coat and a shirt and uh, a pair of socks. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know, I'd never heard of it. No, I'd never heard of that. That's this is a culture. This is, that's awesome. We yeah, don't yeah. do anything like that here. James, you got stuff like that in the UK? Mm, no. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. If you're in Japan at that time, it's incredible. Because then you can actually buy stuff in person. But occasionally, like people will resell these bags without opening them on Yahoo wow. Japan or on Rakuten. In which case, they become fuck you buckaroos instead of buckaroos. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they really? Is that what, that's the translation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's just four croissants yeah. in the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I might risk it. I might actually buy one uh, this I, year. No, you, you, I please. Can we do like a live a Zoom unboxing, unboxing video? Yeah. Yeah. of a fuck you buckaroo? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get a capital one. Dude, there was, I just like, I loved also when you used to be able to crack the code on old Rakuten. Like once you learned that Orslo was on slow. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and also and Visvim is Bizu Bimu. Yes, yeah, and like you just like all of a sudden you're like, wait, I can find so much more stuff now. Yeah, yeah, that was that was like a huge the moment that yeah, like when you'd be like, wait a second, this is how, this is how for some reason literally all of it is, and yeah, like I remember I'd be searching Orso, there'd be like six pieces. You'd search Onslow, four hundred thirty-two pieces. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Updating 35 pieces an hour, you'd be like, wait, what? But the, like, it, what I find interesting about using Rakuten or YJP is that they're, I feel like the Japanese attitude towards secondhand clothing is so, so much different to the, to in the West. Like, I feel like things depreciate in value quite quickly compared. And you'll see that a lot of the times when they're taking the photos, it will just be some guy like selling like a capital jacket, but he'll have like those little white cotton gloves on. Do you know what I mean? Almost like they're trying to show that they're being careful with it. Whereas like, you know, sometimes on like eBay, they'll just be like a, a, a jacket just laid flat on the bed and there's like a cat on the bed and like a packet <laughs> of cigarettes or something. It's like, I feel like they're a lot more, and I think it goes hand in hand with just how their attitude to clothing in general. I think they're quite precious about it and it's cool. So, you know, when you're buying things secondhand there, they're usually in really good condition. I miss the tier system too. I enjoy that on secondhand stuff on Rakuten, how they have like E through S tier of yes. condition. And they usually are very, like they, they sandbag themselves on the condition. They like will make something that would be like considered like nine out of 10, 9.5 out of 10, excellent on grailed. They'll put it like a C yeah. uh, in the tier system. And I'm like, wow, this, this actually looks really great. And they're like, it has one like small discoloration on a stitch which was probably something that came out of the factory, but yeah. they're still just going to put it as a C tier. Oh, I bought a pair of pants one time and I think they couldn't have been more than 60 bucks shipped. And it said, uh, big, huge, which again, translator <laughs> issue, but big, huge stain on waistband. And like, it didn't look that bad on the photo, but I was like, oh, that thing's like for sure the size of a quarter, but like, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it. It's on the inside, not on the outside. And it's like clearly been washed and all that. And I'll wash it again. It'll be fine. Um, I get it. The thing was like the size of a pinhead. They had to have zoomed in with like a microscope. Yeah. Insane to be like, it was like, Oh no. Like this was like a coffee stain while someone was pressing these or some shit. 
And but yeah, they marked him down to like a satisfactory grade. It's crazy. Like <laughs> this is this is amazing. I'm gonna buy only satisfactory things now. Well, you know what people don't often buy used? Shoelaces. Which <laughs> B. was the next article. B. The different types of shoelaces was number five for the whole year. James is more generous than I am. <laughs> and I feel like number five and six here of uh, the different colors of the shell cordovan and rainbow and the different types of shoelaces are, uh, I mean, it's sort of the same article, but with different things plugged in. Cause like who else is explaining this kind of stuff? Is this like an optimized thing or do we think that like people are like, like shoelaces are on trend? What do we, I'm just curious. Like, cause I always, every time I search for something like this, where I'm like, what is, we're always right there. We're good at that. Like, we're like the only one mm-hmm. who has done, you know, like, yeah. Like what are the different types of cordovan leather? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm curious if like, there's a reason that shoelaces popped this year in a year when I don't know if I wore things with shoelaces in a substantial fashion, more than like a hundred times. I, I, I was surprised people... to see this one here too. I'm sorry. I, I was I was going to say I'm surprised to see this one here too because, yeah, I mean, it's clearly people want to know about shoelaces, and clearly, who wrote this one? Albert was Albert got that information across in fine fashion. Yeah, and it's a thing where it's just like basic, basic stuff of like. You know, there's only so many times you can tell people to wash their jeans, but people still read that article a lot. Like the dumb video I made in my bathroom has like around 400,000 views on it on YouTube. Um, So I imagine we're getting uh, a lot of non-heddles people that are reading the shoelaces one because they're just like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, I need to buy new shoelaces. What kind of shoelaces can I get? And they just stumble into our uh, on our doorstep. And they see two other articles, you know, about a $2,000 leather jacket and get horrified and leave. But maybe they leave with some shoelace knowledge that they didn't previously have. Which I I definitely appreciate. What's your favorite shoelace? Um, (laughs) Let me look. Don't put him on the spot like that. This is a, he's passionate Uh, about shoelaces. Definitely not rawhide. I do not like rawhide shoelaces. They, They do not stay tied. Even though the slippers that I'm wearing right now do have rawhide shoelaces. It's flat cotton, Probably right? Flat waxed. Flat no. waxed are my favorite. Oh, I do like waxed. Yeah. Form, form over function. Flat cotton. Uh, man, I forgot that uh, I made the <laughs> Albert use the uh, RPF Flyers paracord imagery <laughs> in this article. Yeah. Uh, what a silly! I really thing. wish I had a pair of those. Yeah, I I have a pair that I do not wear that I would like held on to for dear life. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, oh geez, I wanted to do another reprint of these, and I was very close to doing another refresh. But uh, New Balance has distanced itself from the PF Flyers brand, so that is not happening anytime soon. PF right. Flyers do something wrong? Um, yeah, people didn't buy them. <laughs> so oh. I think they are uh yeah, they're just like spinning it off and not really selling them or making them anymore. They still own the brand, but they aren't doing anything with it. It's like I had plans for a whole like collection surrounding uh the NASA space program with this of like doing Mercury 
um, Gemini and Apollo plus like a ground orbital training shoe that I had all mocked up and they were like, eh, yeah, nah, we can't do that. And, and I was sad. Also because Disney wanted to make like 400 pairs of these earlier this year and would have paid like real money for them. And then they were like, yeah, we, the factory can't do it. Sorry. 2020 things. The reason there were 20 pairs is because like that was the factory sample minimum of these shoes. And it was either we had to make like 20 pairs or we had to make 500 plus pairs because mm -hmm. that was the minimum like production run. And we snuck it in as a sample run. And then like, you know, New Balance PF Flyers did not have faith that 500 people would want to buy this pair of shoes for the price that we were going to do. So we just did it as uh, a minimum sample run, which is for the best because I couldn't have made wooden boxes and like <laughs> handwritten letters and all that stuff that went with them if it was 500 pairs, but could have had it. Could have had it. Almost there. Unlike the Rainbow Shell Cordovan, which I don't know how much we need to talk about that one, but... <laughs> D minus for that transition. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you, James, <laughs> keeping me honest here. Uh, just like people that were applying for the Paycheck Protection Program <laughs> and the harsh reality of it. Just another Albert article here. I'm sorry he's at work and he couldn't join us right today. Um, but yeah, this was, a, I thought, a really good piece and I was proud to have it run on the site of, uh, and he followed up with, quite a few people in our niche and like them applying for PPP loans at the start of COVID. And did they get them? Did they help? What were the difficulties they were facing? Um, and there was a follow-up piece to this too of, you know, a few months on seeing if anyone has actually helped. I am most or not most. I don't know if that's an accurate, many small businesses got shut out entirely. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, and they, they got forgiven too. If you managed to maintain, the payroll, that was the thing. Yeah, they turned into grants. If you maintain 85% of your payroll. So you could theoretically yeah. pay whatever with it. It was just you were going to have to pay it back. Uh, they could keep other uh, American small businesses alive, like the Vidalia Mills, which uh, opened in uh, Louisiana. Or I guess it didn't open, but like we started receiving jeans made out of that fabric this year. Um which was the subject of the next article, uh, which I think was a you one, James, right? That you did the yeah. interview with uh, Eric Goldstein here? Yeah, I actually hit him up the other week just to see how things were going um, at the mill. And he said, he said it was good. And it's, it's definitely something that I think over the next three years is just going to become commonplace. And I've seen them cropping up on the, on like, my like go on my news feeds and stuff um it's just good to have it's just good to have a maker back in america i think that's just going to be able to supply those like you know just such a like like a stalwart fabric i just think it's something that had to i think if if they didn't do it someone else would have done it and it, it was always going to make a comeback because i just feel like it's so synonymous with american garment production i just think it's something that needed to happen mm -hmm. at that scale too. Cause there are other exactly. smaller manufacturers doing salvage, but you know, that couldn't provide for folks like Tellison or left field mm -hmm. or rogue territory or uh, rail car that you know, don't have a huge amount of output, but more than what 
someone like um, Huston can do. Yeah, and I, I I just hope that in the future it's just something that like we you know how like we just call it cone denim. You know, I just hope that like in the future it's just like oh yeah, like that denim looks like the Dahlia denim. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I just hope it yeah, reaches that point where it's like instantly recognizable and it's just something that's just kind of like you don't even need to think about it. It's just like, yeah, that's made in America denim, you know? Sort of the best like end to that whole saga started a few years ago of when a private equity firm bought uh, Cone Mills or the International Textile Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's led to the closure of White Oak. And yeah, now that that limbo period is over and you can buy draper mill denim in the u.s again made exactly. in the US again exactly but yeah it was definitely in it was just starting out they've like they've got like something like close to 50 draper looms i'm pretty sure um and like mm-hmm. you know and and a bunch of like loads of other mills um loads of other looms made by other uh producers but like it's it, it is a big operation and i think their sustainability efforts are pretty good and yeah it just it looks like it just looks like that's going to be a mainstay a mainstay like vibram that makes soles uh shoe soles and the next article which is vibram by the numbers all their classic rubber soles which is just B- another b plus uh, article that is such a it's such a niche isn't it i remember writing this one actually um difficult one to do because it's just one of those things where obviously they're numbered so you know you have like well not all num well yeah they are like even the christie which you see on like red wing mock toes is like has a code but then like it was kind of trying to work out which ones to mention because the numbers go up to like 400 or you know in like maybe even four thousand, um mm-hmm. and loads of them look the same um but they're not you know some some one that's called like one six five four or something might only be used on one shoe but it looks exactly like the ripple one that you see on like um like danners or like vibergs or something but yeah definitely that is such a heddles article (laughs) i remember downloading like the uh the vibram 2019 sales catalog and it's maybe 300 pages with exactly. like six different souls on each page. Yeah, the exactly. The amount of souls that they produce is just mind-crushing. Yeah. Like, why, why do you need this many? Why do you need this many? But there's a lot of different applications, I guess, for the bottoms of shoes. And I think we have another one here of yours next. Uh, Does cotton kill the moisture-wicking oh, oh. properties of various fabrics? <laughs> which I was very proud of the headline on that one. Um, that I think that that grabbed a lot of attention because everyone mm-hmm. like this is I guess a thing in mountaineering in Colorado that you hear people say like oh bro don't wear cotton cotton kills yeah because you get hypothermia from it being trapped close to your body but does it yeah I mean it was interesting writing this one because it just doesn't like I hadn't heard of that before because in England it just doesn't doesn't get cold enough to ever worry about dying outside <laughs> like <laughs> ever um but yeah i mean i guess it because it, it comes from like there used to be a bunch of like it's kind of i take it doesn't happen all the time but like there's hikers that are like worn the wrong stuff um and they just and like it doesn't is it because like the, the cotton clings to you is that right that's what it was 
Mm-hmm. Or that it like keeps the uh, your sweat like close to you and it doesn't work as an insulator. Exactly. So that it just it. makes you cold and it like sucks the heat out of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I when I wrote that, I just I I I hadn't heard of it before, so it was a big learning curve for me. Um, and I think people often think that wicking is like, you know, when you get like a waterproof fabric and the water like beads up on it. Um, I think a lot of people think that's what wicking is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's actually like a really complicated, not well, not complicated, but the, the, the fabrics that they use are super like fine tuned. And it's all about mm-hmm. moisture, the transaction of moisture between your skin and the outside. It's like a bunch of little straws that yeah. suck it up and spit it out. Yes. Uh, like you would do with tea or tea core leather. What's you know, it all, all about? about? That's, that's, <laughs> that's number 11 is tea core leather, which um, I believe was an Albert piece that we had some uh, consultation from Papa Dave Himmel on this one. Um, Another strong headline. Tea core leather. Yeah. What's it all about? pretty much my first reaction it was i was like what is that when i saw the first one but it comes close it's always nice when it's like oh it asked my question t-core leather what is that (laughs) yo it's the first thing you it's the first thing we ask in the subhead it's a good leather popular you know it's it's got that uh raw denim type quality where you scrape off the top layer and it turns a different color everybody loves that and it, does it have anything to do with actual tea? It doesn't, does it? I think it might be something of like the interior is veg dyed, mm-hmm. veg tan. I don't know. Someone like listening to this right now is really mad. Um, <laughs> I could just open the article and look at it. It sounds like the type of film that like Stephen Merchant would be making. Like he's like tea currently core, like like mumble yeah, core, like, tea core. Yeah, like it's just like they're making they're like into T core these days. Like it's like a specific indie core, indie genre. <laughs> Shaggy dog T core. But yeah, leather leather tanning is kind of lost on me. Um being a non a non leather buyer. Um I know my stuff, but when it comes to like when you start looking at like chrome tanning white tanning aniline dyes and you know it's like it's another thing that's like you can go super deep in with that stuff hot like stuffing and things like that like you know it's 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 so complicated way more complicated than denim i think Mm. oh but then you get into the things of like denim of like which way was the was it spun was it ring spun was it open spun yeah like are you Dying it? Are uh, are you slasher dying it? Are you rope dying it? Are you Hank dying it? Hank dying it, yeah. Like Wiccan. What's your indigo? Died by by a witch. Yeah. How are you reconstituting your indigo? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You can be a nerd about anything. Like Tyrolean shoes, thick and stitched. That was an A. That was an A. Right there, we got our A transitioned. Really? I thought that was a that was a C at best. Oh, Tyrolean is that that one is a weird one. Mm-hmm. They see me Tyrolean, they hating. <laughs> <laughs> You're losing points. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I know Ryan is just, just just threw his headphones across the room. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they should just call these instead of Tyrolean shoes, just para boots. Because yeah, you know, everyone you say para boot and you think of this shoe. Exactly. Which I bought a pair of these Tyrolean uh, para boot Michaels last year when I was in France. And they've been getting a lot of use lately because it's the great shoe, like shoe if it's the there's you know snow on the ground that you can just slip them off and like walk outside immediately. Very nice shoe. It's a, it's an A tier shoe. Yeah, the first time I, I I wish I had bought them, but the first time I tried them on, uh, I don't think they were sized properly. Maybe like size too big, and I don't think I had them laced up tight enough. But I picked up my foot as one would when walking, and. Uh, the shoe stayed on the ground and my foot just came up like it was stuck in cement. And I was like, that's the heaviest shoe I've ever tried on in my entire life. And I never tried them on again. It's funny. Cause like when I like David said that he bought some in France, like I, um, I've been to France quite a few times in the last few years. And like, as well, I've been to the South of France. And when you go there, like Paraboot is just one of those brands. It's like, just sold in like the smallest of small shoemakers like it's it's interesting like really small shops that have like 12 shoe boxes in the window and then they've just got like a paraboot sticker in the window and then like apart from that they just repair like they're just cobblers basically do you know what i mean it's not like when i discovered fiat was a car company in italy but not like a boutique one like there was there were everywhere it's not like that with paraboot it's still like a pretty niche brand even in france yeah i think like so obviously we sell it in like you know in in you know in like the us and england and like whatever it's sold in like it's sold in boutique shops as like a high quality thing um but what i mean is like they're like it's definitely still a high quality thing but like it's more of a like you know, you, you maybe don't see it in high street, like quality shops. It's it's more kind of still true to its roots of like being a well-built shoe that's kind of championed by like cobblers and like small shops that like sell quality made in France footwear and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I see them at like Anatomica, like maybe Pegs and Sons, like a couple of those style stores. But yeah, it's it's crazy how much they've blown up in the last few years. Like people... Like all those Tyrolean shoes, like really, like especially when it comes to like heritage fashion, like it does. I mean, I guess they're one of those shoes that go with everything. They're kind of like a Wallaby Mark II, if you know what I mean. Just like the the way that the upper is is sewn, and like they're just that little bit more. I don't want to say dressy, but they're kind of like they just have that more formal edge to them, even though they're like so robust and chunky and heavy, like you say. Well, they they've got like the if you know you know ability yeah. to to dress them up. It's like if someone decides to question, it's like, yo, dude, these are handmade in France. These are more expensive kind of coals. Like, what you want, you know? So like, at least you have exactly. that now. It's like the Wallaby, I love, and it's got a similar shape, like toe and all that piping, but. uh it's still a wallaby. I don't know if you can get away wearing it with like a wedding. I mean, you can, but like the pair boot, you can kind of really dress to the hilt if you want to. Exactly. It's so, yeah. It ultimately does sort of have that price tag justification. Like it's like, yo, this is a bench layer. I mean, it's not bench made, but it's like, this is a handmade shoe. Yes. It's got Norwegian. Well, uh, I can name qualities of it. Like this is a nice shoe. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But, uh, I'm a rock with it. Mm-hmm. Wallabies have like, 
they've checked they've changed the shape too much of the wallaby over the years in, for, for me they've slimmed it out it's like it's like it just seems to get like you know i, I don't know the technical term between uh, i don't know a technical term for the height between where the midsole ends and kind of the upper but like the little bit that, at the end oh i don't want to commit to it i when i'm when i'm in the flow of writing about shoes i'll be there like vamp quarter you know i know all that stuff but yeah. It's like, yeah but yeah they've just thinned it out and it's like the, the depth of the shoe is just like not what it used to be what, what's a good transition i can do here uh can you you tee me up with something <laughs> at the end of tyrolean shoe discussion um you because you would need good shoes to walk to the lawn to the laundrum <laughs> i can't even know what they're called in america we call them a laundrette <laughs> uh, we call them laundromats laundromat that's it but yeah but i guess they were shut and that was why the article <laughs> why why we wrote the article yeah so if you need to wash your shoes and you can't make it to the local laundrette slash laundromat uh the next and final article we're discussing is how to wash your clothes at home out a washing machine. I mean, I was just going to say something about how, like, how despite the pandemic, like, you still don't freeze your jeans. Oh, my God. That's so 2008. My favorite questions that Union made would be, like, someone would, like, strut in confidently wearing some, like, very, very polished Red Wing, like, brand new Red Wing, fresh mm-hmm. out the box, and, like, you know, a pair of Telesons that they had bought at AB Denim, like, just down the road. And, uh, They'd come in and they'd be like looking at the raw denim. I'd be like, "Hey, yeah, any questions?" And they'd be like, "They'd be like, I wash these by like pouring acai berries on them, right?" I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah, no, man. Like, I just hear you wash your denim by like dumping beer on them and then letting them dry in the sun." They'd be like, "Where did you hear this? Like, what are yeah. you talking? About? Like, the ways that people would decide to wash their denim or like would just confidently tell me it's like, oh yeah, man, no, I just like I, I rub cactus pulp." <laughs> into the fibers and uh yeah you know i i read it i read it somewhere and it's like dude i don't know what's going on but it was like i feel like it was like probably like testing grounds for some of the q stuff being like what can we make people believe and it's like <laughs> you know it's like i don't know the best thing to wash your jeans with is the dirty snow slush in new york from march <laughs> yeah the gross shit just take it and rub it or sometimes people just go even more reserved and they're just like yeah, those, these are the ones you can't wash, right? Like, like you're actually not allowed to wash them. Like, it's like it's not a choice. Yeah, no, they're like, they're like, yeah. So uh, I've had these jeans for ten months, and uh, I haven't washed them yet. And I'd be like, can, <laughs> okay. can you can you leave the store and put on different pants, man? <laughs> yeah. like, you're the you're the reason that we're gonna be in trouble in eight years. Um, <laughs> it was always like, yeah, the, so. I guess I'm not surprised that a washing your jeans article would ultimately be, be like, you know, at the top of the list in a, in our overall, cause people just have, they like wild theories about it. Yeah. And what I find funny about that is that when David did the video of how to wash jeans in like a bathtub, um, he's like, Oh, just take anything. And he's, he's like, yeah, just use some like hand soap or like even some shower gel. And now, like, every time I'm in the shower and I'm using a shower gel, I always think, like, would this be too far <laughs> to, to be used as, like, as a gene detergent? 
Yeah, no, there, there really is no limit to it's like anything that people have heard has ha, it's like it's like, yeah, no, like I, I wash my I wash my denim with 18 year old aged whiskey. It's, yeah. like, it's like not 15, no 18. I heard the extra three years matters. Um, but David, we're going to tap you in here. Well, we hope everyone out there is able to wash their jeans safely, uh, whether in the comfort of their own home or wherever they feel like it is uh, most relevant for them to wash their pants. And uh, thank you for sticking around with us in the year 2020. We hope 2021 will be much better. We've got a lot more denim history and a lot more interviews coming up on Blowout. So uh, if uh, you want to support the show, you can just come on and uh, shop at the Heddle Shop with the code BLOWOUT, 10% discount. <laughs> and uh yeah thank you very much for bearing with us if we have some technical difficulties today <laughs> and uh, uh thank you james for coming on thank you reed for being here and yeah we hope you all have a wonderful new year thank you again goodbye <laughs> i'm gonna stop the recording now <laughs>